Hello there, this is Lisa Borders, and on this podcast, I'll connect with people from all walks of life. We'll talk about overcoming adversity, transmuting the shadow, and moments of illumination. We'll explore what it means to fulfill our potential while maintaining our most authentic selves. And we'll reflect on the lessons we're learning all along the way. If you feel inspired by what you hear, subscribe wherever you're listening, leave a five-star review, share it with a friend, and join the community at lisaborders.us. Thank you for joining me, and this is Enlightened. EDD, it is so great to have you here on the pod. I'm so excited. I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you also. It's great to hear your voice and be talking to you. It's been way too long. I know, more than a minute. So the fam is good. Amanda's good. Everybody's happy. Everybody is doing really well, God willing, through all of this COVID stuff. It's been a lot more staying in touch through FaceTimes and not as much in person, which is always tough, but we've been able to figure it out and everybody has been healthy. So that's certainly most important right now. Excellent. Excellent. So I fully appreciate that. I think all of us have been in this state of suspended animation, if you will, for the last year. But 2020 was such a bizarre year, even though that number speaks to perfect vision. It's been different, right? It really has. And that's a good point about it speaking to perfect vision, which you can look at the year in that way where we are able to come back and get a new perspective and see the world and see our relationships in a whole different view. <laughs> and in some ways it was good. It was good to take a pause and slow down and be with the people who you love the most where at times you get involved in your work or your business and it's just go and 10 years have gone by <laughs> and you really don't get that moment to pause. So For me, I have enjoyed this time of just being able to be with those that mean the most and then also revisioning what my business and what life is going to look like moving forward. I take your point. And let's talk about perspective. Hold that thought about your business and family because I want to go there too in just a minute. But I want to talk about perspective. And you and I became connected when I had the privilege of leading the WNBA. And I know you remember the lunch I had with you and your agent, Aaron Kane. You were the very first player I ever sat down with and had a conversation with. And I was so refreshed by your perspective and who you were and how you carried yourself. How do you feel the W is doing today? And then I want to talk a little bit about your career specifically. It was clearly in the bubble. The whole league operated Mm -hmm. inside the bubble during 2020, but generally bubble notwithstanding, or should I say wubble, (laughs) how do you think the league is doing? I think the league is doing great in, in different aspects. I feel like we've grown in many ways. I feel like our viewership has gone up, especially in a year where it seems like viewership has gone down for all other professional sports. For us, people were tuned in and locked in because we were able to have more TV games because of the wobble situation. So it just shows that if we continue to get our product on television and if we can continue to make players more and more visible, people love it and they want to see it. And then I also think that the way that America has been for these 
past four years, which feels like a little bit of a lifetime. They're seeing that the WNBA has been ahead of the social justice reform and ahead of things that weren't always cool to speak out about and things that certainly could have been tough a few years ago to talk about. I think our, our fans and people who may not have been fans before, but are now, they've caught on to like, these women have been leading the charge for so many things. And we're a league that you can really look up to and hope that other leagues will follow along. And it's just a league of, it's a league of acceptance and celebrating one another's differences. And that's huge. I could not agree with you more. And I remember my first season with the protests that were going on inside the league and mm -hmm. the fines that were levied. And I remember reversing the fines. And yeah. we, I, I tell people all the time, listen, no disrespect to the men in the NBA or Colin Kaepernick, because he did a great thing when he stood up for his values. But before Kaepernick took a knee, the women of the W were taking a stand. So mm -hmm. let me just point out and really bring it to people's ears that the W has been at the forefront, the tip of the spear, if you will, of all the social justice stuff. Can you talk a little bit about the union and how you guys have organized yourselves and how you talk mm -hmm. about this and how you handle it? Because I think it's a real model, not only for sports, but it could be a model for organizations across this country. Yeah, so there's a handful of players that are a part of the union. I believe it's just six players. Mm -hmm. And then every team will have somebody that represents the entire team that will get on union calls. And these calls will be, there's a ton of calls before we get the player reps even on the phone, just to get our heads around things, what we're feeling. But I think what's so great about the union is when we want to make a statement we want it to be very unified. Obviously, there's different people who are going to express how they feel in different ways, and we want them to be able to express it however they want. But what's nice about the union is we're able to get on calls and talk through everybody's feelings and emotions and then have more of a unified front when we come out to protest or to take a stand or to take that knee. We want to make sure that we have a message that we can say to the media and give people talking points that'll help get our point across because in these moments, they're so emotional and they're so heavy and a lot of times really tough to speak about. So to be able to have the calls behind the scenes with one another and to hear each other, to get emotional, to cry, to get angry, whatever that may be, because we have those moments, I feel like we're able to then come out to the public and be able to guide our message in a really strong way that can be heard and felt by everyone. That's pretty incredible. And I know having worked with you and all of your sisters in the league, it looks really easy from afar. <laughs> and it looks like you guys come up with the positions that you take or even the plays on the court and how you score and how you win like really easy. And the fact of the matter is you guys put in a lot of work, what you describe mm -hmm. for organizing around social justice or what I've heard you guys talk about or even seen you engage in, in terms of the work that you do behind the scenes. So I have the utmost respect as for you and your sisters. You are a WNBA champion. You are an Olympian. You've played at every level 
you still feeling good and feeling passionate about this game we call basketball? I love to say it. I know EDD, check my girl out. So tell me, you still feeling all good about basketball? I am. It's been quite the year where I wasn't able to go into the wobble just because of uh, some pre-existing conditions that I have with chronic Lyme disease. And it was a tough year in that aspect where I wasn't able to compete. And then not only that, I've been fighting a back injury for what seems like a pretty long time now. Uh, I injured it really bad in the playoffs in 2019, which gratefully I was able to figure out a way to come back and play and push through it. But I am certainly feeling (laughs) that (laughs) you do need to listen to your body. And I'm feeling why you shouldn't always push through injuries. But for me, it was such an incredible moment and so worth it. And my biggest dream ever was to win a WNBA championship and to do it with the team that we had. And just, it felt like such a family that I would do it all again and go through this back stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You've been through, yeah, you've been through a lot. And this happens with athletes all the time that they have injuries because that's just part of the nature of sports. And Mm -hmm. you guys have to make decisions about when it's appropriate to push forward and when you need to go sit down because there's a game and there's a championship, but then there's a career, right? There's a difference between one game and one finals series. So hats off to you. Let me just have us talk a little bit about not only basketball, but how basketball is a foundation for how you run your life. I watch Mm -hmm. you play on the court and there's nothing better than seeing EDD elevate (laughs) and shoot the ball and and watch your form. It's just poetry in motion. So beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Your teammates get you the ball and then you close the deal. Are you finding that the way you play and having the experience of playing on a basketball team, it happens to be a professional basketball team, does that help you in terms of navigating your life and your business? It certainly helps me. I think basketball has taught me so much about just like life and how to work with others and when I need to give an assist or when it's time to take the ball and take over. Actually, in my business now, the one that's the one that's taking up most of my time is uh, a woodworking business. And my wife and I named it Del Don. And in that business, my wife is the superstar. And I feel like <laughs> I'm the one setting the screens and setting her up. <laughs> like the big decisions, it's you take this one, Amanda. I'll, right, I'll right. If you need me, but uh, I'll set the screen and set you up. But you need to take this one because she has such a business brain. And I think that's what's so great about sports is you're able to be on a team and see people's strengths and weaknesses. And that's something I'm able to see, Hey, I'm, I might be weaker in this category, but I know that Amanda is super strong in this category. So if I can support her and help get this business to grow, that's important. So I feel like I am forming teams left and right in my life, in, in my family life, in my business, in my finances. Like I am constantly building teams. I love that. Listen, I remember you talking about your woodworking business. I think I initially talked to you about a table. Now I think I need a desk, 
Helena, right. redoing my home office. So I'm going to have to get online, <laughs> order a desk from you guys, like design something really super cool. It's really interesting the way you talk about the business and building teams, because one of the big conversations clearly as we have gone through this intense year in 2020 that has just passed, this whole notion of diversity and having a multitude of experiences and energies and talents at the table has come into like perfect view. And as I listen to you speaking about Amanda, it's clear like she doesn't have your same skills. She has complementary skills, which is yeah. how I feel about explaining diversity to people because they're really fearful because we are always talking about race and gender and they're so yeah. emotionally charged. Do you find that working with someone you're not looking for what I would call a duplicate, which is the person who has the same skill as you, you're looking for a compliment. Do I have mm -hmm. that right? You have that so right. And like you said, you get those compliments by finding diverse people who have been through way different walks of life. If, if we all went to the same school, grew up in the same neighborhood, majored in the same thing, like we wouldn't have that diverse way of thinking and we wouldn't come from all different walks of life and be able to complement each other. So I love the way you put that where so many times we bring diversity into like political views or it's something people want to pump the brakes on and it's stop pushing that down my throat so much where it's no, our world would be such a better place if we could get all these diverse people in a room and compliment one another. So in business for me, that's exactly what I want. And if I was a GM forming a team, I wouldn't want 10 of the same player. I'm going right. to want, I need a point guard. I need a shooting guard. I need a phenomenal defender. I need someone who's versatile and could maybe play different roles. I need a backup position. Like you can't, have all the same player because that's never going to be successful and business should be the same way. I completely agree. And of course I've watched you and the mystics as well as all the other 11 teams play. And I understand mm -hmm. that better than most, but of course I happen to be a woman and a person of color. So I have seen firsthand what happens when folks shut down uh, those types of opportunities. So let yeah. me take it to another level. So you've done the college thing you've played obviously and are playing the professional thing with the WNBA. Can you talk about the Olympic thing? Is it the same <laughs> at that level? I remember watching you play in Brazil. That was just incredible. I still have a picture of you, Tamika and Stewie, and you all <laughs> were numbers nine, 10 and 11. And I was like, Oh, and I get to be odd man out, but I'm getting in this picture with my girls. <laughs> Definitely. Is do you feel it is the same at the Olympic level in terms of complementary skills? It is the same, but it's only because us as players are able to adapt and not change our game, but certainly you play in a different way because you're surrounded by 11 other Olympians who are the best players on their teams. And obviously we can't all demand the ball every time down and, uh, play the same type of basketball that we play on our teams where you know moments where you have to take over. So it's a really special thing to be a part of Team USA. And it's like the best basketball you will ever play with people who just 
have so much knowledge about the game and are also so selfless and just only want to do what's best and what's going to get you to win. But each player falls into a new role. And it was really refreshing for me to have to find my new role and be a part of Team USA in a different way. I absolutely love anytime I get to suit up with Team USA because it's different. Yes, you're in the pinnacle of your career and there's so much pressure. It's the Olympics. It's everything you've ever thought it would be. But then there's a few moments where you can take a deep breath. It's I've got Diana on my right. I've got Sue Bird. I've got Stewie. (laughs) You name it. You have so many superstars and you can just play beautiful basketball and not have to ever press too much. Yeah, that's a whole constellation of people. If I had Diana on my left and Sue running point, and st- I would just be like, oh my God, what, what is going yeah. on right now? Which is amazing. So your perspective changes a little bit, right? Like you talked about changing roles. Have you ever been in a situation where your perspective was in one place and then you go through an experience and it changes your perspective or evolves it or matures it in any way, whether it's basketball or or in Mm -hmm. your business or family? Actually, I'm going to relay it back to my, my diagnosis of Lyme disease and having a chronic illness and being in a position where I don't, your whole life, you grow up thinking, if I get sick, I'm going to go to a doctor and they're going to tell me what's wrong and they'll fix it. That's how it works. Where with Lyme, things were so different and I was so sick and I went to probably over 15 doctors and they were all giving me different answers. Many of them were saying it was all mental. It was all in my head and I was just thinking I was sick. So to be in a moment like that and to feel the worst I've ever felt and to just be so exhausted and ill and to have somebody not believe me was some of the hardest points of my life. And I think that's something that I try to take to life now is like, if somebody is telling you they feel a certain way, or if somebody is reaching out because they need help, believe them first that I don't Mm -hmm. know why you would ever think not to, unless They've given you many reasons not to, and they've lied to you and done something to you. But most people, if they're reaching out or they're telling you something and they're being vulnerable, that's true. And you need to listen. That's something I always just try to take with me, especially just being a teammate. You have all different players on a team and people who are experiencing various things and experiencing even same situations, but in different ways. For me, it's really important to just get to know a person and listen. That whole skill of listening, like God gave us two ears and one mouth, my grandfather used to say, (laughs) so you could listen twice as much as you talk. But I love your perspective on medicine, at least Western medicine. We think we have a pain or we have an issue. We go to the doctor, he or she will address it and I'll get all better. But it sounds like you were your own best advocate. So your perspective Mm -hmm. is it's not all up to the doctor or the clinician, whoever he or she might be, but there is a learning in there, not only about your agency and your power, but about how we should be perceived and received. Do you think that's a woman thing, a girl thing? Do you (laughs) think a guy would have had to deal with that same issue if he walked into the doctor's (laughs) office and said, my head hurts, my arm hurts, or I feel like crap? That's a great question. I do think women experience this often. Unfortunately, in the Lyme world, I think male or female, there's just 
a lot of doctors that don't want to believe in chronic Lyme and the fact that it, it doesn't always just go away and it can come back and keep, you can continue to relapse. So I think that isn't even a gender thing. For some reason, it's a Lyme thing. <laughs> um, but I, I do think women, it's tough to be a woman at times because there's so many stereotypes of how you should be or how you should act. Or if you act this way and you act too strong, you're the B word or <laughs> right, right. not a boss either. If a man acts that way, he's just a boss. Take me back, Elena, because I'm not sure you ever told me this. If you did, I apologize. I can't remember. Tell me how you started playing basketball because it's been an incredible experience for you, mm -hmm. obviously, and you are a professional and at the top of your career and you've done so much, but how did this all get started? Because most people think you just flip a switch and you woke up one day and you were an Olympian. We know that's not true. So help me <laughs> yeah. with the journey. Yeah. So I have uh, an older brother and he's about two and a half years older than I am. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, I was always just like a tomboy, loved sports, loved competing. And he started playing sports at an early age. So I would just follow along and go to some of his games, or I would be outside watching he and his friends play. And I just wanted to like be a part of it and compete. And I also realized that if I wasn't really good, they weren't going to let me play. <laughs> so that was <laughs> no <a> kidding. <laughs> so that was a huge motivator to me to not only have them let me play, but they wanted me to play because I was better than them and they wanted me on their team because they didn't want me on the other team where I was beating up on them. So that's where I got a ton of motivation. But I think I also fell in love with basketball specifically because it was finally a time where I could feel comfortable being tall. And mm. I got bullied a good amount in school and just where kids would make fun of how tall I was or say that I was bigger than the teacher, or you name it, just things that really hurt my feelings. And I never really felt comfortable. I always felt like the awkward big kid. <laughs> and until I stepped on a basketball court, that's when I was like, wait, it's good to be tall. Like, this is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> this is working for me. <laughs> love that. Love that. Love that. And was that in high school? Where did it start? No, I would say that started when I was like really young, like even in YMCA basketball, when I was able to finally be on a basketball team, I was probably only six, seven years old, but wow, I was able to dominate because I was tall. And when people were talking about my height, it wasn't in a negative way anymore. It was like such a positive. And I think I connected basketball with that in a way. Did that help build confidence for you or how did it work? Obviously, yeah. if you're able to dominate and you realize that the attribute that for so long or in others' minds was a liability was a real mm -hmm. asset for you. So did that help build confidence for you? Because we women, we have so much trouble with that. I know we do. And it was something I would talk to my mom about often and just be so upset that I was so tall, but it certainly built confidence. Unfortunately, I think it built this identity where instead of being Elena and being tall and that's okay, it made me just be like, you're Elena, the basketball player and you're nothing else. But mm -hmm. if you're Elena, the basketball player, it's okay to be tall or to be huge, what people would call me. So I think that kind of led into a path that wasn't so great for me. Yes, it worked early on, but just being Elena, the basketball player is 
probably why I ended up burning out later through high school and needed to take a step back and be like, wait a second, you're not just a basketball player. There's so much more to you. And I think, yeah, that became a little bit detrimental just being only Elena, the basketball player. So you got typecast. I haven't ever heard a guy, anyone at least say it to them. Now I do hear Mm -hmm. what I would call ignorant people and maybe they're stupid too. Stupid, Mm -hmm. of course, means you can't process information. Ignorant means you've not been exposed to something better. But when men are described as athletes and Lord, don't let them be professionals, people are like lauding them for that. Yeah. But I will say the whole shut up and dribble narrative really does typecast all basketball players, not just men, mm-hmm. not just women. Do you find that to be true? It's so true. And it's, do you think like we just live in a gym and <laughs> like we are literally just playing basketball all hours of the day? We are mothers, we're fathers, we're brothers, sisters, we're husbands, wives. Like we are so much more than the three hours we play, we put into the gym in that day. Think about all the other moments that we have outside of the gym. Even if you played six hours a day, like there's a lot other time where you're out there being a human being and you're feeling things and you're seeing things. And not only that, but you have a massive platform because you're a basketball player or you're a professional athlete. So to to try to just put us in that box and be like, no, just be the basketball player. So I can still love you and idolize you, even though that politically we don't align, like absolutely not. (laughs) And it's okay if we don't, but at some point we have to come to a middle ground. It can't just be so one-sided. And I think that's where we get into trouble. I see your point completely. And it makes me think of Hollywood and actors who don't always want to play a good guy or a bad guy or a mom role or whatever, because they want people to be able to see their range of talent. Mm -hmm. But I think your point around dimensions of someone's personality, we seem to typecast athletes because they're so extraordinary at one thing. In your case, it's basketball or in Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, it's football, but those are people beyond what that's what they do. That's not who you guys are. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little. If you can get to that level of being like that great, being a Brady level, like think about just all you can learn from like how he lives his life, how he trains, how he eats. There's so much you can get out of that. Not just watching the football game. Like you want to know, goodness, how old is he now? He's 43, 43 and seven rings. It's like that dude just shattered two or three (laughs) records on Sunday. Unreal. But don't you want to know about like his workout routine too? Like his but what yes. he's putting in his body, his nutrition, but if we only just want him to be the football player, I guess nutrition could go into it, but there's just a lot you can learn from people and what they do off the field. Well, I often think when folks look at athletes and they adore and idolize them and elevate them to some extent, but sometimes I think a little bit they're jealous and their jealousy mm-hmm. comes out in the form of stereotyping or typecasting the person. So let's talk about what you love beyond basketball that (laughs) 
display your dimensions. We know you have your woodworking business, but are there other things that light your fire? Again, basketball is like what you do as a professional and you're damn good at it. But what are other Mm -hmm. things that make your heart go pitter patter? (laughs) My wife, for sure. (laughs) She does that. My dogs. I absolutely love my, my two dogs, Wrigley and Rasta. They're my babies. And I feel like when I'm not out training or anything, like they surround what I do in a day. So they're amazing. I love crime stuff. So I read a lot of fiction, like crime mysteries. And then I also listen to crime podcasts. Wow. Um, Are you like a James Patterson person or what kind um, of authors? Harlan Coben is one that I've been trying to read most of his books recently. So that's who I'm on right now. (laughs) But I love, yeah, mysteries. And then what else do I do? Oh, I love being on the water. Luckily being around DC, I'm around a lot of great rivers. So in the summertime, the water is just something that gives me life. So anytime I can be on water, I try to find time for that. Nice. Nice. So you, are you in the water or are you just sunning and enjoying yourself? <laughs> Definitely both. I love to just relax and sun, suntan, but I, I like being in the water too. I used to swim when I was younger, so I still love to swim and just be a kid and play in the water. Oh, nice. That's so nice. So when I think about the water and beaches and I get this whole notion of smooth and calm, although water can be rushing and be fast, does, do you do anything to keep yourself in shape like yoga or tell me what's your routine beyond basketball? Cause I've seen you like hella workout in the gym, <laughs> but are there yeah. other things that you do that keep you at top physical, but also maybe mental shape? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So since this back injury, my workouts have changed a good amount where now I'm incorporating some Pilates and a lot of core stabilization and deep core. And even I've gotten back to swimming, which I haven't had to swim in a while, but it's been great to just get in the water and kind of let gravity not be taking such a toll on my back when I'm trying to condition. Uh And then mentally, I am a strong believer in meditation. We have someone with our team who helped introduce meditation to all of us. And some are into it, some aren't. I am one of those who have just experienced the calm that it can bring me and just the clarity in my thoughts and being able to know when my thoughts are headed in a direction that's giving me anxiety or stressing me out and just being able to refocus my thoughts. So meditation for me has been huge. (laughs) I'd say in the past like two years. Wow. I had no idea. I've had friends and relatives who are trying to get me to go into the meditation space. So I guess you're, you're co-signing that is what I'm hearing, right? I am co-signing it. I would tell you to start like small Uh because it's really tough at first because your mind wanders so much and it gets really frustrating. It's like, how on earth am I supposed to focus on just my breathing or my breath? for 10 minutes when all I can think about is other things. <laughs> so it can be a struggle. So I would say start very small and don't beat yourself up. That's a huge part of meditation. You don't want to have any judgment on yourself or others. So take your time with it. Oh, I love that. Thank you for that encouragement. Cause Elena, I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, 
I've tried it a couple of times. This feels weird. I feel because yeah. I'm like judging myself. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. Like my mind won't stay still. I'm thinking about the 10 things that I'm supposed to be doing uh, yes. or that I could be doing, not supposed to be doing, but I take your point. So I'm going to have to try it again. <laughs> Give it another go and don't be judgmental on yourself. I hear you. Well, help me a little bit too with what you're eating these days, because one of the things that I have found to be helpful during the pandemic is Mm -hmm. I decided to put myself on one of these Ayurvedic diets and gluten-free and plant-based. And I, Elena, I've lost 30 pounds. Good for you. I'm so excited about this, but I really feel so much better. It wasn't about how I looked, actually. It was more about how I felt, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel so much better, and I'm exercising every day on a Peloton, but tell yeah, me what you, Yeah, I love that thing. We'll talk about that in a second. So <laughs> tell me what you're eating, because this whole plant-based, gluten-free thing is really working for me. So tell mm-hmm. me what you're eating, what your routine is. So I feel like my diet is the one thing that I do struggle with the most because I have just a love of Italian food and carbs. <laughs> yeah. What's your last name it. again? What's you know, your last I mean, name? Yeah, <laughs> so I love my bread, my pasta, but when I do need to dial it in and focus, like I know that sugar and gluten make me feel like crap and right. make me feel very inflamed, especially with the things I deal with my Lyme stuff. So I really do try to limit the sugar and the gluten. I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I try to do more of a high protein and then healthy carb diet. I've also done the keto diet. That was something I did before oh. my wedding, lost a lot of weight, uh-huh. but didn't feel great by the end of it. I just felt malnourished. <laughs> I probably, I probably wasn't even doing it right at that point. It was just like, you got to look great in your dress. Um, and and so. girlfriend, you did, you looked fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I did it uh, because the pictures will last a lifetime, but I've tried the keto uh, diet where you start, you burn fats instead of carbs. So that's also an interesting one that I liked until I started starving myself weeks before the wedding. <laughs> yeah. The whole starving thing does not work for me by any stretch Mm-mm. of the imagination. It's, it's not it's, good. <laughs> no, it's not good at all. And I love to get up in the morning and ride the bike. And then I feel like mm-hmm. I can eat a little bit more because I feel yeah. justified that I have ridden my seven miles or whatever it is I'm trying to do on any given day. Have you tried the Peloton at all? It's wonderful. So I love the Peloton. I actually have the Peloton treadmill. Ah. So yes, my, my wife and I are obsessed. I do it often. I love the bike too. It's just, I think we're more of runners than bikers. So we went with the, the treadmill route. Gotcha. 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 I just love all the integrated classes and you can pick mm-hmm. from all the different instructors, whether you want to do yoga, just ride by yourself or ride in a class. It just seems like there's so many different options. Uh, oh, there's for- meditation on there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just stop, uh, skipping over that part. You didn't, you didn't list the meditation. You're exactly, I have used it like only twice, but to your point, I'm going to yeah. go back in and give try, uh, give it another go for sure. <laughs> for sure. Listen, you have been such a gem. I am so delighted to get to spend a little bit of time with you. I look forward to seeing you playing 
again. Thank you for being so open and so candid and so willing to share your experiences and your perspectives on how to live our lives. I really appreciate you. This was amazing. I feel like I could have talked to you for hours and hours. So this was great. Thank you for having me on. And I can't wait to listen to other guests that you have on. You do an amazing job and ask really great questions. So this was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everyone. That was this week's episode of Enlightened. I hope you learned something new and feel inspired to meet any challenge you may be facing in life. If you enjoy the energy we're creating here, subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave a five-star review, share it with a friend, and join the Enlightened community for bonus episodes and deeper discussions at lisaborders.us. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next week.